I would invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. We've been looking at this passage for several weeks now, um, more as a topic than anything else. We've been dealing with the topic of spiritual warfare, and we're dealing with our own sinfulness, particularly as it relates to this passage. I want to begin reading Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, we'll read down to verse 21. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for they are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the thing that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that he would be honored and glorified by our time in the Word today. May we apply the things that we can. Lord, give us a clear picture of our own sinfulness so that we can come clean before you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is having to deal with sin in the church at Galatia. Uh, we've been looking at sin in the context of spiritual warfare, like I said, and there was plenty of church, was plenty of sin in the church here that Paul is having to address. Plenty of sin to to go around, and, and and on every level there was sin. People were uh, trying to lure the church at Galatia away from Christ, back to Judaism, back to. Uh, the obeying the law instead of obeying Christ and submitting to the law for salvation instead of submitting to Christ for salvation. They were undermining Paul's ministry. In fact, at one point, verse four, chapter four, verse 16, Paul was the enemy. They are essentially calling him the enemy. They were distorting the gospel in chapter one, verse six and seven. They were, there was a, a general lack of love for one another in the church they were disrupting the unity of the church and in general again they were just unthankful specifically for paul's ministry but the bottom line the base of line for all of this is the uh they were walking according to the flesh some were probably not even saved. It was a walking in the flesh in that sense. But also, some were being influenced by those who were in the flesh, uh, or the unsaved. And they were matching 
the fleshly responses of those who were not saved. And they were operating according to the flesh. And it became a lifestyle. And Paul has to address this. And Paul's fighting, like I said, a spiritual battle on every front here. From the, from the tallest, from the largest, uh, Paul uh, is concerned about their sinfulness of, of the whole dealing with the, dealing with the, on the top level of uh, dealing, buying into Satan's lies and false teaching about the law, all the way down to the heart level of biting and devouring one another. The passage in verse 13 that they were, they were coming against one another. And Paul is, is having to fight this, on, like I said, on every level. But the bottom line is sin. And that's always the bottom line. Sin, it always is going to come down to sin. That's man's primary problem is sin. It's not a medical problem. It's not primarily a psychological problem. It is a sin problem. And sin must be dealt with. Now, we live in a, a kind of a, a mixed up crazy world. And it's, and it's kind of hard to define sin these days. But it's important that we do so. I like what J.C. Ryle said. He that wishes to in, he that wishes to attain righteousness, and that's us, or righteous views about Christian holiness, must begin by examining the vast and solemn subject of sin. If we're going to understand holiness, the holiness of God, we have to understand sin. That's that's important. That's what he's saying here. And again, in this crazy mixed up world, we can't even define sin. It's becoming harder and harder to, to know what sin is. You used to be able to just preach against sin. People would know what was sin was. They we didn't have to define it. They knew what it was. They would they would commit sin anyway, but it, at least they knew what it was. But today it's been redefined for us so much that it's not really uh, and something that we even recognize. It, there's, it's just an alternative lifestyle. It's just uh, my personality or my preferences. Or this is just my world view. And the Bible calls us to understand sin. So what is sin? We need to look at it from a biblical perspective. And that's what I want to address today. Just what is sin? Now that can be a little hard to define because of just the, the nature of sin itself. And I've mentioned it before. We are so sinful that we don't realize that we're sinful. We're like fish in water that don't know they're wet. We, we don't really even understand the depths of our sinfulness. So let's go to Scripture and define sin. And we see sin is uh, in Scripture is seen in, in different three different ways, actually. You can see it on the screen there. The first way is just missing the mark. Falling short of God's glory. So, so God's glory is up here. He created us to live for that glory, but we missed the mark. We're, we're way down here. The arrow has been shot out of the... Uh, the bow, but it's falling far short of the target that it was supposed to hit. Number two, it's breaking God's law. 
It's, it's rebelling against God. It's, it's doing the things that we want to do instead of doing the things that God wants us to do. It's just failure to obey. And number three, it's, it's crookedness. It's perversity. It's, it's twisting and bending and reshaping things to our own will. Reshaping really reality to our own will. We will determine what is real and what is not. Now, on top of that, so there's three definitions, but on top of that, we know that it goes a little deeper than that because we are to be holy as He is holy. <laughs> we are, uh, the, the problem with men is that, that we lack love for God and we lack love for one another. So the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And... And not doing so is sin. Again, that's a little broad, but, but that's what sin is. It's a lack of, of love. Coming down to the one word, as we saw in verse 13. We see that it's, it's called wickedness in Scripture, evil, unrighteousness, ungodliness, lawlessness, turning aside, deceitful, guilt, disobedience. There's sins of commission that we commit. There's sins of omission, things that we are supposed to do that we fail to do. And if we go to Scripture, we have a, a good explanation or good, uh, somewhat good definition, as good as you can get. In Romans chapter 13, verse 9, we see this passage. I'll, I'll start at verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. Not even one. There is none who understands, none who seeks after God. None who, uh, we have all turned aside together. They have become useless. There is, not, there is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throats is an open grave. With their tongue, they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is on their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their path. The path of peace they have not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's a picture of sin. But it's pretty vast. It's not very narrow. In fact, we cry out for just a list just give me a list. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what not to do. And I can do that. We can come up with a list. But it's, again, it, it can be hard to nail down. Romans chapter 14, we, we see that Paul mentions that uh, whatever is not of faith is sin. Wow. Not, not depending on God for, for whatever can be sin. It's a little hard to... It's a little hard to nail down one passage that I thought was interesting in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 21. And this is, this is I think, where, where we struggle. Is that Proverbs chapter 21, in verses uh, three, uh, 2 and 3, every man's way is right in his own eyes. We, we don't see ourselves as sinful. We think we're pretty good and, and that's exactly what Solomon is saying here. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. Even the good things that we do, when the Lord weighs the heart, if they're done for, for wrong motives, evil motives, selfish motives, then the Lord knows that. 
Then he goes on to say to do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. We can do the, the things that we are supposed to do, but, but we can also think that we're in the right way, but really we're in the, the wrong way, doing the wrong thing. Many times it comes down to motives, what we desire, our goals, our purposes, the things that we depend upon. And those things are make it very hard to nail down sin. It's hard to just stay up, stand up here and say, do this, do this, do this, do this. Because the heart is deceitful above everything else and desperately wicked, desperately uh, sinful. Let's go to the history of sin. Let's look at the history. Sin is a result of disobedience of uh, the disobedience of Adam and Eve against God. And with that one act of sin, that one act, uh, we were sold into slavery to sin. And as a result of that, there is immediate spiritual death. And we began to die physically. And death has reigned ever since. In Romans chapter 5, we, we see that from one man, sin entered into the world. And that floodgates open, and it was like a flood just rushing in, and it has affected every human, every person that's ever been born. So much so that we are so sinful that we don't realize it. We inherit it from our parents. It's inherited. It's passed down from generation to generation. And it's universal in scope. No one escapes. It affects the whole human race. And everyone who has ever been born. It's corporate all the way down to the individual. In fact, the individual, it affects our heart, our mind, our emotions, our will. It even affects creation itself. God, Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that creation groans, waiting for that day that, that things will be overturned. And creation would not produce for, for man after that sinful Time. The creation refuses to produce, and it's it's harder for man to to produce or to uh, to work because of that. What about the results? The result of sin is we have died to righteousness. We don't understand the holiness of God anymore. We don't know. We don't understand the holy standard that God sets up for us. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. Paul said. And at the very core of our being, we are in rebellion against God. And that's the main result. This global war, spiritual war against God. Mankind is shaking his fist at God. We are in open rebellion against God. Each individual. There's pride. There's lying. There's independence. We are elevating ourselves. We are twisting reality to fit our own understanding. We're seeking independence from God. Now, mankind is so sinful that we are considered to be in sin. That's the biblical terminology. We are in sin. And folks, those who die in their sin, hell awaits. And that's a scary thought. 
And it takes God to quicken our heart. We can't even do anything about our, our condition except cry out to the Lord. And the Lord is the one who has to, to jumpstart the heart. He has the one, He is the one that has to make us alive. When our car battery dies in the cold weather, we have to, to jumpstart that car. That's what God has to do for us. We are so sinful. Now, let me tell you what sin is not. There's some dynamics to sin here. Here's what sin is not. Sin is not just a, a three-letter a three letter word. It's not just three letters of the English alphabet. Meaning, some people think that it, it means nothing. There is no such thing as sin. That, that's what they think. Because there's no one violated. There's nobody that has... Uh, done anything wrong here um, except God God has God has been uh, the one that has been violated against some would say that there is no such thing as sin but there is there's a violation against God and people need to see that violation against God's standards against right and wrong against a higher authority, and someday we will give an account to God. Sin is a thing. It is, a, uh, it is an entity. It's a violation against God. Number two, sin is, is not just an act. It's a condition. It's a state of being. It, it's, it starts from the heart first and then works to the outside, down to the heart level. And, and we must deal with it on the heart level. The motivations of the heart. If we're going to fight sin, we have to understand the motives of our heart. Number three, it's not just breaking a law. Sin is an act of worship. And the more I study Scripture, the more I see that. It's an act of, of worship. And, and Romans chapter 1, Paul says they, they begin to, to worship the creature rather than the Creator. Number four, it's a... It's not a, a uh, it's not neutral. It's not neutral. There's always damage. There's there's no victimless sin here. No victimless crime. God is violated, and others are violated. It is deadly, and it must be taken seriously. And number five, it's it's not hopeless. Sin is is not hopeless, folks. And that's what that's the good news here. Sin can be forgiven. We as Christians can fight sin in our own life. It is a good fight. And the thing is, is that sin, all of that sin is against God. And, and God is a forgiving God. He is a, a gracious God and a just God. And when we come before Him begging repentance, confessing our sin, turning away from our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come through Jesus Christ, when we come to Christ, turning away from our sin, He is, he is a forgiving God. So, so sin is not just a hopeless condition of man. There is, there is hope there. But defining sin, going back to defining sin, we have to let Scripture speak for itself. And this is, this is a, a, amazing to me. Because in this passage, if we go back to Galatians chapter 5, in this passage, in verse, starting verse 19, he gives us a list of sin. And we think, finally, 
Now we can understand sin. Now we can get it. Just tell me what to do and, and I'll do it. Tell me what not to do and I won't do that. Just give me the list. But we know, we know that, that lists just don't work, do they? In the Old Testament, they were given, first thing, Exodus chapter, Exodus, uh, they were given the Ten Commandments. And you know what? They couldn't keep those Ten Commandments. The list, just ten, just ten, that's all. We see lists throughout Scripture. In fact, it really is amazing to me how many lists of sins there are in Scripture. Look it up sometime. It really is just incredible. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. I'm going to give you some examples here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. There's six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brethren. There's a list. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not enter the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, or revilers, or swindlers will enter the kingdom of God. Another list. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, although they deny its power, avoid such men as these. Another list. First Peter, Peter has his list. First Peter chapter four, verse three and four. For the time is already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentile. That's just the, the, the things of the, the sinful world. Having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, ab- abominable idolatries in all of this. They are surprised that you do not run with them until into the same excesses of dissipation. And they malign you. Christ had his list. Mark chapter 7, verse 21, verse 23. Christ deals it with it really on a heart level. I want you to notice that. Verse 20. He says, uh, and he said, he was saying that which proceeds out of the mouth That is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart, proceeds evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulterers, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And all of these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Probably one of the most comprehensive lists is the one that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 1. And I would 
encourage you to turn there. I want to go through this. Because this just, this just gets worse and worse as time goes along. As people commit themselves to more and more sin, God gives them over to more and more sin. And they become, it's just a downward spout. They become to the point that they cannot do anything about their sin. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed to, from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There's a, there's a first element. They begin to suppress the truth. We see down in verse 21, for even though they did, did not, even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculation and the few, Foolishness of their hearts were darkened. So they begin to pursue their, their sin. They continue to pursue their sin. And their hearts became darkened. They professed to be wise. And they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for, incorruptible, for the image of, uh, in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling things. Therefore, God gave them over to, uh, in their lust of their heart to impurity. If you want to continue down that road of sinfulness, He gives them over to impurities. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped to serve the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Verse 26, For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. The next level is just their own passions. They they pursue sinfulness so much that it just becomes a passion, a degrading passion. For their women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. It goes on. And in verse 28, we see, as a result of that, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Folks, I read this because this is where we are in society. We are in a society that they are acknowledging God no longer. They don't want anything to do with this kind of God. And so God, as a result of that, in His judgment, God gives them or gave them over to a depraved mind. So now they're following their sinfulness so much that they don't even know right from wrong, up from down. They're just morally bankrupt. Now let's go back to the list that Paul gives us in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Because I want you to notice that this list is in contrast. Remember last week we, we saw the, the fruit of the Spirit. And in this list, in Paul's list here, he, he, this is in contrast with the, the fruit of the Spirit, contrasting with those who are walking according to the flesh. And, and it's not really comparing apples to apples. I want you to see the difference. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Against such, there is no law. There's no law within that, 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 we can, that man could write to govern the heart. We, we cannot write a list of things that man can keep because the heart is so sinful. Now notice, though, that that doesn't even compare with, with the, the deeds of the flesh in verse 19. For the deeds of the flesh are evident... 
which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Now, I'm going to stop right there because he lists these sins and they don't really compare to the, the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, there's, there's just two different worlds here. Two different lines of thinking, two different worldviews, two completely different uh, universes, it seems like. And the problem is that the reality is, is that the Christian is not just called to, to not sin, to not do these things, but to do these things. He is called to, to live so much better. The Christian is not called to just not sin. He is to, to put on righteousness. He is to, to be holy. So that means the husband is, is not just don't commit adultery, but he is to love his wife and live with her in an understanding way. We are to not just don't steal, but we are to go on and give. We're not to just don't be angry, but we are to, to love and give a, a soft answer. Women are not called just to obey their husbands, but to reverence them and and to respect their husbands we're not called to just have children but we're to raise our children to to fear and love the lord and there's a vast difference here we sometimes want to just live here just barely above where the world is of just not committing adultery not killing and just those base sins and we just live right there thinking we're, we're doing pretty good When God calls us to a much, much higher level. To be holy as He is holy. And again, two different worlds apart. Two different worlds. The Christian is called to a much higher standard. Because when we take on the name of Christ, we're taking on His character. And it has to be a holy character. We're reflecting our Heavenly Father. And, And the thing is, is when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, like we've been talking about, He gives us a a new capacity to love. A new capacity to live in a way that glorifies and honors Him. And there's, so what we see Paul is giving us here in this Galatian passage is two ways of of life. There's one way of life that's according to the flesh. There's another way of life that's according to the the Spirit. And they, and they produce two separate things. We saw that last week a little bit. Two different, two different worlds. And in this passage, Paul is telling us or helping us how to handle sin. And believers, folks, we must be able to recognize sin in our own self and sin in the world. So I want to go through this, this list of sins that Paul gives us in verse 19. The deeds of the flesh, he says. Now, before I get into it, we have to understand a little bit about the flesh. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The deeds of the flesh. There's a couple of things that we need to know. Number one, the flesh has desires. The flesh has desires. In verse 17, the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. They're in opposition to one another. And there's where the conflict comes for the believer. Number two, the next thing we need to know is that the flesh is always looking for opportunities. If you go back to verse nine, verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Now, Paul doesn't even mention the word sin in this passage. 
But he does mention this opportunity for the flesh or walking according to the flesh. And we know that means sin. And the flesh is always looking for opportunity. The world's the, the word opportunity here in the Greek is a is a word that means it's kind of like a, a beachhead where the enemy comes in and he sets up camp and from that camp uh, he, he is able to maneuver and to take over more and more land. It's it's a a, a base of oppor, uh, opportunity for more fighting. And that's what the, the flesh does. It seeks those, it's constantly seeking those opportunities. It's also the, we're called to verse 16, he says, but walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You cannot do both. If you're walking in the Spirit, then you're not carrying out the deeds of the flesh. If you're, if you're carrying out the deeds of the flesh, you're not walking in the Spirit. They're in opposition to one another. And then also, one thing else that you have to know about the flesh is verse 19, is that these things are evident. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, and he lists these things. Anybody can see this. It's, it's wide open to, to everyone else. Anybody that wants to, to look. The, the flesh is in just full bloom here. And this list of characteristics here of this, of these sins, they're, they're, you could put them in three categories. There's the six sexual sins, there's religious sins, and then there's also the, the human relations, the shin, sins and human relations. And I want to go through these, and I want to just, we, we won't get through them all of them today. We might get through just a couple of them. The first one is in, immorality. Immorality. And the Greek word here is pornea. It's the word that we get our word for pornography. Uh, and it's any illicit sex, sex sexual relation outside of, of marriage. It's premarital, premarital sex, adultery. Uh, that would include homosexuality, bestiality, incest, prostitution. And, and this word that we uh, see here is, is just immorality. And, and we see this today. We see immorality going on today. And it's, a, it's to the point that it's just everything is amoral. There's really no such thing as moral. Ever since Freud, he is... There's no such thing as ought or should. Uh, the Kensington Report, you can look up those things. <clears throat> it's just to the point in our country today, <clears throat> in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20, uh, Solomon says it this way, this is the way of the adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done nothing wrong. Her whole lifestyle is wrong. But she eats, wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. That's today's society. Today's society sees nothing wrong. There, there's all moral. When it comes to sexual promiscuity, there is nothing wrong there. It's an attitude that it's just no big deal. It's just not that important. Oh, I tried this. I've done this. And I've done the other thing. It's, there's no offended party here. There's no victim. There's no guilt. There's nothing wrong. We live in a sea of sin, folks. And we're just adrift in this, in this society. The thing is, is we must not let the world influence us. 
There is an absolute. There are morality. There is morality. And God is that standard. And God sees. And God is the victim. God is offended. And we cannot be like the world. We're, we're created to be more than the animals, folks. And, and I, you see it on TV. It's just, it's just a unsettling. But we have no risks today. They've taken out the risk of pregnancy. Just You've got the pill, the morning after pill, just in case. And that's foolish. It's foolish. And it's sin. It's immoral. And we've degraded down to the point that people don't even recognize that as sin anymore. And then we have number two is impurity. And this just means uncleanness. But I want you to get this image in your mind about this word. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, it says, Woe to the scribes and the Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which are on the outside appear beautiful, but on the inside full of dead men's bones and are unclean. It's the same word. Inside that tomb, inside, is a decaying body, a rotting corpse. And, and this, is, this is sin that's, that's inside. And it's just decaying. It's impurities of the heart. We, uh, we sometimes use the... Sometimes we hear of a, a recall. Sometimes in lettuce or sometimes in milk or, or whatever product because there's some kind of impurities in that in that product when i was uh when i was uh, a camp probably in third fourth grade maybe maybe junior high the first day of camp i was playing with the um i didn't know it at the time we were playing basketball and the the guest speaker the camp speaker uh, that was there for the week he was going to be speaking all week he and I were playing basketball together, and I knocked his two front teeth out. And I don't recommend that. He goes, he has to, you know, he misses a couple of days to get his fix. I didn't think anything about it. It was a little cut on my arm. But after that week, following that week, my arm just started swelling up. There was impurities inside my arm. It began to swell and fester. It began to rot. I had to take it to the to the doctor, and he had to lance it. It was a terrible thing, a grotesque thing. But folks, that's impurity. That, that's, the, that's the word here. There's sins inside the heart that will just decay the heart. They, they erodes the heart. It's like rust. It eat, eats away at that metal. It's an infection. It's bitterness. It's, it's hatred. It's vengeance, it's rebellion or spite, it's corruption. And it's putrid to God. That's what sin is. Unrepentant sin just stays in our life and it festers. And folks, it will ruin a life. It will ruin a life, especially a life that is trying to live to the glory of God. We have to confess those things. We have to get those things out. For the sake of time, I want to end right there. We'll come back to this list next week. But I, I want you to just think. Is there any sin 
in your life that's festering? Is there any sin that you see in the world that, that kind of attracts you and, and makes you think, man, the, the world is so much fun? Folks, we have to remember that, that that's the world. God has not called us to live that kind of life. He has called us to holiness. And it's a sobering thing to be taken seriously. We have a serious God. And I'm afraid we live in a, a country in a day that is not taking God seriously at all. But His people should stand out as those who take God seriously, those who take God's Word seriously. And what God calls sin, that is sin. And it is not to be redefined. It's not to be changed. It's to be lived to and obeyed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for just Your Word. Lord, what a powerful thing it is. Lord, we would not know sin if You hadn't told us what sin is. We, we would just think this is normal course of life. But Lord, you, you tell us, You inform us how sinful we are. Things that need to be changed in our life. Lord, I, I pray now as we enter this time of communion, this time of examining ourselves, that You would just prepare our hearts. If there's any sin in us, may we deal with it. May it not fester. Lord, we thank You for the privilege and for knowing as God's children that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, we're no longer in sin, but we are in Christ. And I pray as those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray for that peace. The peace of, of knowing that we are we're guiltless before You. We stand holy before You. And Lord, may our our lives match that holiness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.